0: Hello, Malcolm here. This last Sunday on the 15th of August, the Watford Church of Christ met in the park, in the rain. Uh, we had some sunshine too. But the rain, a combination of rain and other factors and people being on holiday and some people dealing with emergency situations meant that uh, a good few of us weren't able to be there. And so what I thought I'd do is record a brief, rough and ready version of the lesson that i shared with the group that were there just so that for two reasons uh, one i think it's uh, i think it's good stuff from colossians chapter two and secondly also so that we feel that we're on the same page together regarding some things i'd like to share and the fact that we're all sort of moving together as one community so if you weren't there on sunday i hope you find something valuable from this and if you were there on sunday you might like to watch it anyway because there might be some things i put differently In fact, i'm sure there will be compared to what i shared on sunday as we stood there um, in the rain and the sunshine as well. So what are we looking at? We're looking at Colossians chapter 2 today from verse 8 down to verse 12. This is continuing from the couple of lessons we've um, midweeks and, and Sundays over the last little while, all from Colossians chapter 2, which has such tremendous material for all of us. And today we're talking uh, in particular about hollowness, what it means to be hollow and what it means to be full or filled or fulfilled. That's what this passage is dealing with bit of context for any of you that don't know Colossians 2. First of all, at the beginning of the chapter, we've had Paul giving out or sharing his goal uh, for the church in Colossae. What does he want for them? Uh, He wants them to uh, be encouraged and united in love. They may uh, have all the riches of assured understanding the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ himself. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in him. And saying that so that no one would deceive them by plausible arguments. He's very confident in them. And in verses six to uh, seven, we talked about recently as uh, talking about us having received Christ Jesus as Lord, continuing to live, to walk as a disciple in him, rooted, built up, strengthened in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thankfulness, overflowing with thankfulness. And that's, that's a vision I would love to see from my own life, I'd love to see for us as a congregation in Watford and for all of the places where God has placed us or is sending us, that we be people overflowing with thankfulness. When we think sometimes about how, how, do, I, how do I be effective evangelistically? Listen, if you and I are the kind of people that people notice to be overflowing with thankfulness, essentially from a, from a divine supernatural origin or source, we won't have any difficulty attracting people through our lives to uh, meet with God. And this, I think, is what Paul's trying to do here with the the young church in Colossae. He's trying to help them to find the right ways for them to be consistently overflowing with thankfulness. And we've got a lot of challenges right now, haven't we? I mean, let's face it, with with the situations with COVID, with uh, homeschooling challenges, with uh, work issues and finances, and not having our usual routines, not being able to meet together, properly uh, with, with all the freedoms and remo- uh, back in place uh, with hugging each other and singing indoors and things. Th- this is a disturbing time. What Paul I think would say to you and I as he's writing from prison by the way, he would say, despite all that, we can be a people who overflow with thankfulness. So then in verses 8 to 12 he goes on to give us a bit of a, a bit of a more of a fill-in, on how this can happen. So let's look at these verses, eight to 12. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, or another translation, hollow, philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were were buried with him in baptism, you were also raised with him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And that's not all we could say on this passage, but we're going to look at verses 13 to 15 on this coming Sunday. So we'll stop there uh, just for now and talk about uh, how we can avoid hollow and deceptive philosophy. Don't know about you, but I don't like the idea of being a captive. Think about some of your favourite television shows, films and books. I dare say that a large proportion of them deal with the issue of captivity, of being taken away, of being restricted, of not having our freedoms. Uh, And this is sometimes physical. Uh, like people that are put in prison or captured by kidnappers. But it's often also psychological and spiritual. Think about Harry Potter. The whole book series is really in many ways about Voldemort trying to take Harry captive. And so we we are in danger, Paul says. Uh, They were then the Colossians, Colossians, and we are today, of, if we're not careful, being captured by ideas and philosophies, even within Christendom, even Christian type ideas, which restrict our freedom in Christ and which obscure Christ so that he's not enough. And I think this is the central idea here and something I've been wrestling with this last week is, is Jesus really enough for me? Is he really enough? I say he is, I believe it in my head, but in the way I live and the way I talk to people, the way I talk about God, the way I talk about myself, my life and others, is Christ enough? And what Paul is saying here is, All the fullness of the deity lives in Christ in bodily form and you and I have been brought to fullness. We've been brought to fullness. Reminds me of Psalm 23 verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I lack nothing. Right? I lack nothing. Paul says in Philippians, I've learned what it is to be content, whether well fed in in plenty or in need. I, I have contentment. I know how to be at peace, and discontentment is one of those challenges in the Christian life that we all have to deal with. Discontentment can come from a number of different sources. Discontentment with our spouse. Right, let's be honest. We get annoyed with our our husband or wife from time to time. We feel maybe we made a mistake. Maybe if I had a better spouse, I'd be a happier person. I'd be a better Christian. Goes through your mind as it might have done mine. Or our children. We get discontent with our children. They didn't achieve the grades we wanted. Uh, they're not going to the university we wanted them to go to. They don't have the friends we approve of. They don't have a I mean, what don't dress the way we think they should. We get discontented with our children. Often we get discontented at work. And for understandable reasons. Sometimes we have an unreasonable boss or we have unreasonable work expectations. There are all kinds of reasons to be discontent. I'm not suggesting that being discontent is a sign of faithlessness. I think what Paul's dealing with here is he's dealing with a church that felt that their Christian life, as it was, was inadequate, and they had other people coming in to teach them to say, "Aha, yes, you are inadequate because." And later on in the book, uh, in the chapter and in the book, in chapter two, uh, Paul lays out what some of these things are. They uh, do not eat this, do not drink that. Some of these people are saying, Uh, "Make sure you hold on to the Sabbath and this." festival and these special new moon days. If you, oh, that's the reason you're discontent. That's the reason you don't feel fulfilled. You need these festivals. You need these acts of, of self-abasement and 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 desperate humility. And you need this to abstain from these foods and, and this kind of drink. That's why you're lacking that. So the Colossians are in danger, are being sucked into this idea that they must do their Christian life a certain way to be truly fulfilled in Christ. That their discontent can only be solved by obeying some extra rules. And you and I are not immune from being sucked into that way of thinking. What's essential about being a Christian? What's essential about being an ecclesia, a gathered, called out people of God? And what's optional? What's not part of the core. We've been thinking about this the last few weeks as we come more and more out of the old lockdown and back into the possibilities of meeting together in the park or ultimately in homes or in a church or in a building of some kind. We need to be thinking about what's really significant and what isn't. How important is it that we sing certain songs? How important is it that we do our services in a certain way, a certain structure? How do we get um, teaching instruction from God's Word effectively? How do we uh, commune together with the Lord's Supper? How do we fellowship well? How do we worship vocally in prayer and song? How do we do these four core things? I think we see in Scripture, and make sure that when we, if we, anything we add on, only enhances them, doesn't take Christ away. And sometimes we can get so uptight and upset about where the church supposedly is being done the way we think is right or feel meets our needs and suits us and our friends, we can stop thinking about Jesus. And this happens to me. Look, I, I turn up at church sometimes thinking about the windows and the heating and the stuffiness and the whether things are laid out right. And where's Jesus in that? Where's Christ in that? Or I notice somebody new and and that's nice to notice them or I notice that someone's not there. and Oh, where are they? Are they okay? And it's okay to have that thought. But if that dominates my thinking, that dominates what I'm like around uh, everybody, then Christ is now not the focus anymore. And indeed, really in a sense, I'm saying I'm not going to be happy unless that person's there. I'm not going to be really, really in tune with God unless we do things a certain way. And, And then Christ is not enough. I spent a day last week, um, I went out to pray early in the morning. I decided to pray that God would make me more alert to the times in the day when I wasn't content. And then that he would help me to respond to that lack of contentment in a way that would honour him and make sure that Jesus was the focus. And I went through the day and I'm not, I wasn't successful the whole day in responding in a way I would think is Christ-like but it was a really helpful personal spiritual exercise to go through the day noticing more more often okay i'm discontent right now what do i do with that see in in matthew chapter five jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven so part of being discontent is a helpful thing because it helps us to notice when god isn't our all in all anymore And what we do with that discontent is we go back to God and we say, God, I'm feeling whatever it is. I'm feeling embarrassed, ashamed, annoyed, frustrated, whatever the feeling is. So God, help me with this. Give me strength for this. Maybe the strength I need is because I'm weak. Maybe it's because I'm vulnerable. Maybe it's because I'm greedy for something. It's not healthy for me. But whatever the reason I'm discontent, please fill me up. Again, remind me I have everything I need to handle this right now and trust him for it because in the end it's about trust. And I think this is what Paul is trying to help the Colossians to deal with here is to, is to get more habitual in their trust of God through their challenging circumstances and remember that all the fullness of the deity is in Christ and, he, uh, and we have been brought to fullness. He's the head over every ruler and authority Uh, we may not get everything we want in life, but we are safe from spiritual attack. We have been spiritually circumcised, we've been baptised into Christ, and therefore we've been raised with Christ. We have new life. We have new life. You know, that's a wonderful thing to reflect on as we uh, finish off here, is you and I have a new life that we didn't earn, we couldn't buy, we couldn't purchase, we certainly don't deserve but we've been given it by the love and grace of God. Isn't that isn't that an incredible thing? So this is our uh, this is our joy. This is what we revel in, in our freedoms in Christ. And this is what we reflect on when we take communion together, which we did on Sunday. Maybe you'd like to take communion after this lesson. And think about the freedom in Christ that you've been given because you have been buried in baptism with Christ. You've entered his death and you have already entered his new life. Lived, begun now on this earth, and will be with you as a new life forever in the next life. What a wonderful idea. So this week I'd encourage you, perhaps, to think about how how you might encounter Jesus Christ, how you might notice the temptations uh, that, um, that make you want to find an easier way to live the Christian life, Maybe pray for discernment so that you turn to Jesus Christ for your comfort when you're discontent, and take action on the things that can help you to keep Jesus front and center, the core of your life. Opening up the Bible. One of the nights this week, I was feeling a bit bit discontent before going to bed. I just opened up the book of Colossians and read the whole book. I sat quietly in a fairly darkish corner, just enough light to read the book, and read colossians 1 2 3 and 4 and i went to bed with a lot more peace in my heart maybe it's that kind of thing praying more often reading more scripture i mean what's likely to bring us more peace and more contentment than more god more god's word more christ anyway, those are some thoughts a bit rough and ready uh, just um, since there's a lot going on today but i hope that's useful and we'll be looking at the next part of colossians 2 verses 13 to 15 is coming sunday So I hope you can join us. We'll be in the park at Casterbury, prayerfully, weather permitting. If not, we'll be on Zoom. And that uh, will be a further adventure into what it means to have this fullness in Christ. We don't have to live with any hollowness, any emptiness in our lives. We can have some discontentment, but leading us back to the fullness of the comfort that is ours in Christ. Well, that's it for today. hope it's useful. hope it's helpful. Take care. God bless.